Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at Jesus Walks on the Water, Part 2, focusing on Mark 6, 49 to 56. But as you, if you got the email, you know, I came up with, instead of Jesus Walks on Water, Part 2, I came up with a different title, How to Walk on Water, Three, in three Easy Steps. I'm not really going to teach you that, by the way. But anyway, that was kind of my uh, humorous one. But it's interesting that we're finishing up this passage here on Father's Day because uh, I think we're celebrating Father's Day today, which is when we focus on all the men, whether you're a physical father, whether you're a, a spiritual father, whether you're a mentor to someone. Everybody has a role to play. Every man has a role to play in someone's life, and we want to celebrate that. But fathers and, and all men are expected to do the impossible. Many, many times, right? Don't you feel like that, dads? You know, it's, it's mission impossible. But only Jesus can walk on water. We're not expected, dads, to walk on water. Only Jesus is. But we as dads do need his help. We all need his help. Everybody, whether you're a father or not, everybody here needs his help. And that's what this passage is all about. And last week we did part one of Jesus Walks on Water. Get the CD, go on the podcast. But we saw how Jesus puts us in the middle of storms and tests for a reason, to grow us in our faith. But we'll see today that we are never alone in those trials. When he sends us into the storm, we're never alone in that storm ever. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the worship and, and blessing us with worship today. We thank you for your word now and just pray that your word would speak to us. Our hearts are softened through the worship, but now we need your word to, to really plant in our hearts and to bear fruit. And only your Holy Spirit can do that. We pray for your mercy and grace in this, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's pick it up, uh, I'll read the, some of the passage here first of all. We'll pick it up with verse 47, Mark 6, verse 47, where it says, When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. When he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them, about the fourth watch of the night he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick on the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. So we're just going to focus mostly on this 47 to 52 here. I'm going to read this part again. And we got to keep it up behind us for a little bit. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake. Remember last week we talked about that? And he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And once again, we focused on that last week. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. 
Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, and this is wild, this verse, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Wait till we get to that part. So the disciples are struggling. They're in a big struggle. It's between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning. It's the darkest hour of the night. They're stuck out on this lake, the darkest hour of the night. It was also their darkest hour. Their darkest hour. We talked about that last week. They were exhausted. They were discouraged. They're rowing all night. They're not getting anywhere. Anybody feel like that? Uh, Listen to last week, then come back to this one. But Jesus comes walking across the water and it freaks them out. It's a ghost. Do you ever think you saw a ghost? Maybe when you're a kid. I used to try to make sure my siblings saw ghosts on a regular basis. I used to... I used to like to scare them, especially my little sister Kelly. She was seven years younger, is still seven years younger than me. And it was, I don't know, she was younger and I could trick her a lot. So I used to try to scare her. And I remember one time I went under her bed at night and she comes to get into her bed and the lights shut off and there's just a little night light. And I just stuck my hand up over the edge of the bed like a claw. And I just start going up higher and higher. And she's like, I don't know, four or something. I'm just doing this, doing this. And she goes, she's she's so scared I thought that was so funny you know and uh my mom did too she didn't sleep for three nights right so hey so then so then I uh then another time I really got her good you know when the she didn't make her bed you know kids don't make their bed so the the, the blankets were all kind of piled I got this idea I crawled into her bed and we're all the blankets are all kind of on a pile at night and it just looked like a lumpy bed right you know the blankets but I was in there and she goes to get in and as she put her leg and I grabbed it oh I still remember that I but she got me back. She got me back. She decided the next night to get me, to hide in my bed and, and trick me and scare me. But she got under the covers, and I don't know, I don't know what it did. It created a gag reflex or something under the covers. Couldn't breathe quite right. And I come walking in, and she's climbing out of my bed, and she said, I just threw up in your bed. <laughs> That's why I don't discipline my children. I can't really discipline my children, right? So I, no, I do, I do. I leave it to Kim. But anyway, it's scary. When you really, you know, it's really scary when you think you see something supernatural. It's scary. And the disciples were shocked. But why were they shocked? Why were they so surprised? They had just seen Jesus do all these miracles. We've been looking at Jesus' power, and he calms the storm. Back earlier on, another storm. And he's doing all kinds of miracles, and he feeds the 5,000. They just saw it, but their faith was weak. Their faith was so weak, they still didn't get it. Look at verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Can you believe these disciples were so blind? They just see Jesus feed 15,000 people, feed 15,000 people, and they didn't get it. Because we never, ever, well, maybe some of you do, but, but, but we, we never make those kind of mistakes, do we? This is us. Whenever you're tempted to think, wow, why did he pick those 12 dodos? He could have had me, you know. And, yeah, and, uh, just remember, this is us. These guys are us. We miss his miracles all the time. We miss God is working, and we miss it all the time. We're discouraged. We're upset. We're scared. You know, <laughs> We don't recognize Jesus. And it's because we don't recognize how he's working or wh- where he's working or wh- who he, he really is. And I would like to say, as, now, as a pastor, obviously, I never have that problem, but uh, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm going to tell you a story that's going to shock you. I remember when Joshua was a baby, and he was born, and he was born, he was about a week old, and he got um, viral meningitis, 
And so Kim had to spend a week in the hospital. He was, he was a pain in the butt even when he was a baby. So uh, he's much nicer now. But anyway, mostly nicer. So anyway, the, uh, so she had to spend a week in the hospital with him. And he finally got better, finally got to come home. <laughs> it wasn't much to come home to. I was with the kids alone, you can imagine. So um, I was a little stressed. And she gets home, and uh, uh, it, but over time we saw that he's, his head started to grow bigger. And it's because he had hydrocephalitis from the spinal, from the viral meningitis. And so it, the wa- he got water on the brain, and the head starts to get bigger and bigger. And we, first we thought he was just a genius, but uh, then it turned out that uh, there was other issues. It was hydrocephalitis. Went to the doctor, said it's water on the brain. We're going to have to do some procedures. going to have to put drains in. I mean, it was, like, it was pretty traumatic. He was just a little guy. And so uh, we, were, we were like, we started to pray for his healing. And we're praying, praying, praying. And... Um, we had the elders come over and pray for him, and I just remember I was like praying all the time. One night I stayed up almost a whole night praying for him because it was scary. And now we know God has different purposes. Sometimes we pray and he heals, and sometimes he doesn't, and we just trust him, whatever his purpose is. And we've talked about that many, many times, but we're really praying for him. And I remember it was the night before we were going to go to the hospital get all the, the testing. They were going to do the scan, whatever scans they were doing to find out where the water was so they could put the drains in and all this stuff. And we, that night, Kim, we were praying, and Kim goes, uh, it's going to be okay. I was like, what do you mean? Well, I just think God's going to heal him. And I just have a, a leading that this time it's going to be a healing. So she had this piece, and I'm like, okay, I'm glad you have faith. <laughs> it's going to have to be your faith. I don't have that, but although I was praying hard. And so we go to the doctor the next day and did all the scans, and we're waiting to come in. I'm, I'm just bracing myself for this bad news. This is where the water is. This is where the water is. We're going to have the, the, the drains in and everything. And he comes in, and he goes, there's no water. And this is where it was. You can see the places where there's water, but it's all gone. It's all gone. He's just going to be a genius. He was joking. <laughs> yeah. He's like that Fred Flintstone. What's that? that uh, the, the alien. Kazoo. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Paul. Kazoo. You know, he's just like kazoo, you know. And, yeah, thank you, the Flintstone historian. And, and uh, remember kazoo? Yeah. So anyway, he goes, so he's fine. And, and so he goes, we'll see you. Don't have to come back. Bye-bye. And we, got, we take Josh baby Josh out in the car we get in the car and we start driving home and I haven't said anything I'm just like what was that what happened I, I just said I was like what did they miss something do we have to bring him for more tests I'm, this was going through my head the whole time I'm, I'm like, I literally had no that's all I'm thinking what happened I, I thought he had water in the brain and, and where is it and they must have missed something and what, you know, and what are we going to have to do and, I, and we're going to have to take him to another doctor and I turn to Kim I go well what do we got to do next what do you think she goes what are you talking about he was healed. I'm like, oh. It didn't even occur to me until 15 minutes. Like, oh. And, and then I'm like, ah. Oh. I used to always be so rough on the disciples, you know. You know, Why did he pick these 12 dodos, you know, kazoo dodos, remember? And, uh, but I'm like, now I get it. We, we all have these blind spots. And we don't see how God is working. And sure enough, he kept growing and the head didn't and now he looks normal. And so the, uh, <clears throat> but, but that, it was a miracle. God worked at that time that way. And that was his purpose. And uh, it's crazy how we miss that, isn't it? We miss God working. And in our, we, just, we totally miss it. There's two constant challenges it's so often we don't see what God is doing. There's two constant challenges for us. We have hard hearts and weak faith. 
hard hearts and weak faith. Every time we worry or we're afraid, it shows a lack of spiritual perception or a spiritual perspective, right? It's either the wrong perception or the wrong perspective. It's a hard heart or a weak faith. Whenever we freak out like that, whenever we get like that, that's what, what happens. And what blocks our spiritual eyesight? What keeps us from having that faith and that, per that perception? Well, we're busy rowing, right? We're busy rowing. We're, 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 we're going through this, this hard time rowing. We're preoccupied or we're preoccupied with our own agenda you know, our own agenda and our own goals. We're trying to get somewhere and God might want us to go a whole different direction. We're focused on that. Also, our focus is on the storm. What do we look at usually? The storm. We look at the waves. We look at all that stuff. We, we focus on the stress. We focus on our fear instead of on Jesus Christ. Don't miss next week because there's actually going to be a part three, a surprise part three. You don't see it here, but if you can find part three, let me know. You might get a big money prize. All right, remember, there's a, there's a part three to this. But their faith was so weak, they didn't realize that he had fed 5,000. They didn't recognize Jesus. Get that? They didn't realize he had fed 5,000. They didn't recognize Jesus, who he really was. That's why he sent them out into the storm. That's why he sent them. To show them who he really was because they didn't recognize him. And to grow their faith because they didn't realize what he had done. To grow their faith. They knew it was still weak. So he had to show them their weakness. Rowing, 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 not getting anywhere. He had to show them their weakness. And then he remedied that weakness with a shot of faith. He gives them a shot of faith. And first he walks out to them, which is powerful, right? Walking on water, walks, not just on water, but rough water. There was a storm going on, the big waves, big wind, everything happening. He walks out, he shows them the power, and then he makes an amazing proclamation. Look what he says there. Two things. Take courage, don't be afraid, but right in the middle of that he says, it is I. Does that sound different to anybody here? I mean, who says that? It is I. Maybe some egomaniac you know, athlete, you know, says it. Or a politician, or whatever, something, something like that. But, but most people say, it's me. Hey, it's Chuck. Right? Hey, it's Caleb. It's me, Vinny. It's me. But Jesus didn't say that. He says, don't be afraid, take courage, you know, the whole thing. But in the, right in the middle, he says, it is I. And it is I was a, a, a proclamation to help them realize who and recognize who he really is. And we know who he is, what he was really saying from Exodus 3.14. You don't like to read the Old Testament? You're missing out on a lot of fun. Because the Old Testament is all about Jesus. And in Exodus 3.14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. That the I am, I'm just who I am. And he says, it is I. He's making a, a proclamation that he is deity. It's a claim to deity. And, and you want to want proof for this? The disciples got the message. In fact, a parallel passage in Matthew 14, 32 to 33 is our parallel passage. Same story, but it brings out a little more details. It says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. They finally got it. 
And you're saying, who's the they climbing into the boat? That's your little hint for next week. A little hint for next week. They got the message. He claimed to be deity. He proved he was deity walking on the water. And then they, they worshipped him as the son of God. The disciples are finally starting to get it. The storm, the fruit of the storm, the trial in their life is starting to pay off. They're starting to get their eyes are opening. This Jesus Christ guy has supernatural powers. He can even walk on water, which proves he is the son of God. And it does prove it. No one has ever been able to walk on water. That's why so many people try to explain away Jesus walking on water. Because, because if they can't explain that away, they have no excuse for not believing in him. And there's people that do not want to believe in him, so they try to explain this away somehow. In fact, the, recent, uh, the most recent one I just saw, I always love to copy these down and, and keep them. Uh, here's, a, here's an article. Jesus, scientist says Jesus could have walked on ice. True, true. Here we go. Rare conditions could have conspired to create hard-to-see ice on the Sea of Galilee so much that a person could have walked on the bank, uh, walked on the, the water where Jesus is said to have walked on water, a scientist said today. It's from a couple years back. The study, which examines a combination of favorable weather and environmental conditions, proposes that Jesus could have walked on an isolated patch of floating ice. There you have it. That explains it. Uh, we simply explained that this unique freezing process probably happened in that region only a handful of times during the last 12,000 years. So Jesus picked that handful of one. He just got lucky that just that right day, 12, over 12,000 years, handful of four or five times. Uh, such floating ice in the unfrozen waters of the lake would have been hard to spot, especially if the rain had smoothed the surface. Uh, by the way, this was a windstorm, you know, big waves, the whole thing. But anyway, that, that's, that's what people try to explain away the miracles of the Bible. Scientist explanation. There you go. Because if they can't explain it, even though it's ludicrous and insane, if they can't come up with some crazy explanation, then they don't have an excuse in their mind for not believing Jesus was the Son of God. And that's why many have tried to duplicate it. Tried to duplicate what Jesus did and failed. On and on, you see people trying to duplicate you know, some of the different miracles. In fact, here's another one in Zimbabwe. A magic power fails witch doctor. This is from a few years back. Uh, a traditional healer drowned because his followers thought his magical powers enabled him to breathe underwater for 48 hours. Uh, the witch doctor, I can't pronounce his name, uh, Lovemore was his first name, Lovemore Mapufu or something, drowned during a tribal cleansing ceremony at a dam in Zimbabwe, According to the police, he plunged into the water. He couldn't stand on top. He plunged down into the water, but did not resurface. His followers believed it to be part of the ceremony. They stayed, the trainees stayed on, uh, the trainees of the traditional healer danced and sang on the banks of the dam for two days as they awaited his return. He didn't come back. Well, not all the way back. So, his witch powers, witch doctor's power failed him. Jesus Christ's power did not fail him. He proved by not just surviving in the storm, but walking on the water. He proved his power and he built up their faith. And it's meant to build up our faith. We don't have to fear. Even in the storm, even when it's dark, even when we're exhausted, we don't have a fear. Because we know Jesus could show up any time. Jesus Christ is in control. He's in control. In fact, let's see the rest of the story. Verse 51. Let's go back to Mark chapter 6, verse 51. Look what he says. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely 
amazed. When he climbs into the boat with them, the wind dies down. Life is different with Jesus Christ in our boat, in our life. When we allow Jesus into our lifeboat, I'm just going to call it the lifeboat. That's our life, the boat, our boat. When we, we let him into our lifeboat, life is different. The, look what happened. The, the wind dies down. They, they had the peace all of a sudden. But an even more amazing outcome, there was a second miracle here. And once again, we're going to turn back to John. The, uh, we're going to go to the John passage. In John chapter 6, parallel passage, there's even another miracle that happened that John records. Each of the different gospel evangelists record different parts because they're, the Holy Spirit's leading them to make a certain emphasis, but you put them all together and it's an amazing story. In verse 20 it says, John chapter 6, verse 20, But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. The world's first speedboat. Not only did the wind die down, but the boat, boom, was at the shore where they were supposed to be. They learned that all is different with, with Jesus in the boat. Even if it's dark, even if it's rough waters, we are going to end up, if we trust him, we are gonna, and we allow him into our lifeboat, we're going to end up exactly where he wants us to be. Where he wants us to be, we will end up there. Ultimately in heaven, we're going to end up at that shore. It's wild, isn't it? Did you realize that the, the, all those different pieces of it put together and there's one missing piece? Next week, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Are we willing to let Jesus into our boat, into our life? It's interesting that Jesus was getting ready to pass them by. Did you ever wonder why did he, why was he going to go past? Was he really going to pass them by? Now he knew they were going to call out to him. He was testing them, right? Why? why? Why did it look like he's going to pass by? Why was he testing them? I believe he's testing them and us. Do we see the need for Jesus in our lifeboat? Do we see the need for Jesus in our boat? Do we see the need for Jesus in our life? He's testing them to see if they'll call out to him, to see that they'll, they'll, they'll invite him into the boat. It's a test for them. Because a lot of times we, we just keep rowing and keep doing our thing and we don't need Jesus, Right? Before we become Christians, we are live like that. And even afterwards, we try to live our own life in our own power, our own strength. And we, just, we live our lives like there is no Jesus many times, right? Days go by and it's like, oh yeah, Jesus, I do need you. Took a storm. He was testing them. Do we see the need? Before we become a Christian, and some of you may be just on your spiritual journey seeking right now, we have to come to the place where we see the need for forgiveness. We see the need to have our sins forgiven so that we can have a relationship with God as our Father. When we, we see the need to be saved from the mess that we've made of our life. That God, we need, God, I need you. I need you to take this mess and, and make something good out of it. Somehow, we see the need for that. And we invite Jesus Christ into our hearts and give our life to him. There has to be that time when we see the need for that. And even as Christians, we still, have to, we still struggle. We have to give Jesus control of our life boat on a daily basis it's a constant struggle isn't it because there can only be one captain <laughs> one captain of the boat it's either us on the throne or it's jesus christ on that throne there can only be one captain and we have to surrender every day it's a constant surrender of control 
But it won't happen until we hit rock bottom. It doesn't happen until we hit the end of human strength. But when we do that, if we turn to Jesus Christ and give our life to him and invite him into our life, into our boat, God can do some amazing things in our life. I'm going to ask Sean to come on up and just share a little bit of his story. Because, uh, come on up, Sean. He, uh, we, as I was doing this passage, I was like, I, I really need Sean to share a little of his story. He's been through a lot of storms, lost a lot, but, but gained something in Jesus Christ. So go ahead, Sean. Start that I'm Sean Davis. Every story has a beginning, middle, and end. I'm going to start at the middle, uh, in the middle of my story, and I don't know what the end is, but it's very clear that uh, Christ is the key to it. Um, a while ago, I was laying dead, physically dead, on the floor uh, in front of my daughter. Uh, in uh, well, preceding that, had uh, was just terrible pain and um, a real loss of faith. Uh, I had. Everyone has struggles. We all have struggles. That's why we are with Christ, hopefully. Um, what happened was, uh, I'll go back to the beginning now. In the beginning of my story, um, very, uh, very religious, uh, religious household, um, prayed every day. Uh, read uh, the lesson every day, lesson on Christ. Uh, through that, I had many uh, uh, healings as well as uh, people looked at me and said, wow, how can he do that? I'll give you an example. I, uh, I had the highest number. It's on the Internet, so you don't have to worry. It's real. Uh, I had the highest number of strikeouts in college baseball, 1986. This was uh, in, in Division Three baseball. It's, this was quite a feat in itself, but it wasn't because I was striking everyone out. It's because I just pitched every game, which is physically impossible. Everyone would say, you can't do that. You have to have four days rest, et cetera, et cetera. I would pitch the first half of a doubleheader and then the second half. I'd pitch both games twice a week, Thursdays and Saturdays. Anyway, the point is, that's how I got all these strikeouts. It's because I just pitched all the time. Um, I did that through faith in Christ and God and through prayer. Now, I had a crisis in faith where I... Uh, my best friend was killed two days before graduation. My uh, other friend was killed. Uh, we had a measles epidemic at my college, and people literally were dying because uh, no one had been vaccinated. Anyway, I had a crisis of faith. Um, said, hmm, this isn't God's work. This is... You know, my, all these strikeouts and major league teams and all of that. Uh, this is me. 
I always, now I always worry about when people say, I, 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 I feel. Well, it's not, it's God. So, went through a period of really questioning. It never really made sense to me. I will tell you, uh, after the ambulance took me to the hospital, and I was quite literally, uh, they had me on every painkiller imaginable. Uh, my daughter often, uh, not often, but uh, has said to me, uh, uh, Dad, you don't understand. Yeah, you were on this, but yeah, that was once every three hours, but you were on this, 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 and this. Everything they had in the, they had me on. I was up at about two o'clock in the morning in the hospital about three days later, and I, I have a visual memory of this, staring into that mirror, and I didn't have my glasses on, I'd lost my glasses, uh, and saying, this is what death looks like. I, mean, I, I can see it in my mind right now. And in that, I, I'm one of those guys, one of those people that, wow, boom, there it is. Christ is the answer. It's the only answer. Yeah, rock bottom. Chuck was talking about rock bottom. That's about as rock bottom as they get. And the only reason I'm here today and able to share this, and I share often, I shared last night, is because God and Christ said, okay, new life, new chance, new opportunity. So now I have changed whatever that means. I have given up whatever that means. Everything, just about everything but two things in my life. And it's my children and where I live. It's about all that's not different in my life. I, everything from soda, I, don't, I haven't had anything with bubbles in a while, uh, to uh, NCIS, to, uh, you know, just all of these things that you don't even think about. But, you know what, it was clear to me when I was staring in that mirror, well, Sean, you did it your way. Look at where that got you. You, know, you took your will back. Where'd that get you? No. For me, I, I, I study and uh, the Bible, I'm fascinated. Oh, I get a little secret. God is fun. Jesus is fun. It actually is. It's great. People see me and they say, who is? Oh, I, my final story and then I'll move on. Um, I'm staying, so here I am at a baseball game. My son plays baseball. Yeah. Actually gets paid $50 a week to play baseball. Uh, so I'm standing at one of his college games, and the guy's standing next to me. I know who this guy is. And he's standing next to me, and we have this conversation for about five minutes. This was just in uh, March. And we're having this conversation. We're having this pleasant conversation, and uh, all of a sudden he, he, he turned over because I had said something about Kyle. And he said, Sean, is that you? I said, yeah, yes, Paul, it's Sean. That's my father-in-law, or former father-in-law. Uh, he didn't recognize me. I had this five minutes. I, I mean, I, how many rounds of golf did I play with that guy in my life? A lot. But my life is different. 
And I have one thing to thank. I, I'm th three things to thank. Thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the message, and I'm thankful for Christ and God. Thanks, sir. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, if you want to really hear more of the story, take him out to lunch <laughs> or something. But, uh, or, or if you've got struggles you want to talk to, he's a great guy to talk to. He's gone through a lot, lost a lot, and yet gained this life in Christ. And like he said, it's been a transformation. And that's a picture of all of us, isn't it? What storm are we facing? What storm are we facing as Christians? Are we going to surrender? Are we going to let God work? Are we going to wait and hope for him to work? Will we be shocked if he shows up? <laughs> the disciples were shocked. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Ah, there he is. You know? Are we going to be shocked when he shows up? Are, you know, we pray, God answers, we're shocked. You know, it's crazy, isn't it? Or will we be shocked at how he shows up? A lot of times we want him to show up the way we want him to show up. But he shows up and, you know, you heard Sean's testimony, down the floor, dead, you know. That, that's where God shows up his way. He knows exactly how to reach each one of us. Uh, are we, are we going to be shocked at how he shows up? Because he might work in ways we don't expect or don't really like a lot. Are we expecting him? Do we believe he can handle any storm? Do we, do we, do we believe that there must be a reason for the storm we're going through? There's, there's got to be something he's accomplishing. As, as bad as it is, there's something he's accomplishing, exposing, working on, building our faith somehow. And I uh, was reading about the Iraq War. I remember I saved this story because it's so powerful. There was a chaplain, Chaplain Stone, and this is what he writes here, the, the story when they first invaded Iraq way back. He says, when we first arrived in Iraq, we were greeted by a horrific sandstorm that engulfed the country just as we started. A lot of you remember that. Huge storm hit. Just as we started the long journey to Baghdad, it, everything was grounded. The storm lasted more than three days and was the worst in 100 years of Iraq's history. When the storm stopped, we could finally see for the first time in days what we saw was a miracle. It was as if the, God's breath had blown through Iraq, exposing countless hundreds of landmines planted in our path to Baghdad. Mines that if they had remained covered had the capability to kill untold thousands of our troops. It's something I don't think the media fully grasped or reported. And something I'd like for those that prayed back home to know. Isn't that a picture of our life? Think about the storms that we saw as God hurting us somehow or bad things happening. But later on, when, when the dust clears, we see, wow, God was exposing something in my life that needed exposing. God's refining something in my life that needs refining. And if we keep the, our faith and believe that God is in that storm, that Jesus is there with us, it makes all the difference. And maybe you're telling you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you are still trying it on your own and trying to do it on your own and getting nowhere like all of us. Maybe today through this scripture you've seen that you realize that who Jesus really is. Who he really is. The sea walker. The powerful Jesus. The son of God. Look what he says in verses, uh, verses 53 to 56. 
This is Jesus. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Maybe for the first time, you are recognizing Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countrysides, they placed the sick in marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Jesus can heal anyone. Jesus can change anyone. Even the ultimate healing, he can heal us spiritually. That's why he died on the cross, to pay for our sin, so that we can have a relationship with God again, his Father again. That's why he rose from the dead, to show his power, so that we can live a new life in power. That's why he did it, and if we will put our faith in him and give our life to him, he can heal and change and give us his mercy and grace to anybody. No matter what we've done, no matter what we're doing when we walked in, we can have his mercy and grace in a powerful way. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us today through this powerful story of Jesus walking on water? It's not just a magic trick. It's meant to increase our faith or give us faith. Maybe you're saying you don't have faith. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. But today could be that day. Right where you're sitting. It doesn't take a religious person. It doesn't take a ritual. You don't ha- we don't have to go through an earth-shattering event if we'll soften our hearts and open our eyes. And put our faith in Jesus right where you're sitting. Invite Jesus into your lifeboat. Just pray, God, please forgive my sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, for all the wrong I've done, for the mess I've made of my life. I believe he died for me to take my punishment, to take my sin, to take the consequences of my sin. I believe he died for me. I repent of that old life. I ask for forgiveness. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. My hope, my trust in Jesus. I give my life to him. I invite Jesus into my life, my boat. If you've prayed that prayer, something amazing has happened in your heart, in your life. Your life will never be the same. You're still going to have storms, but Jesus is going to be there with you. You're still going to have battles, but you're going to end up right where Jesus wants you. You can call on God as your father any time now through his son Jesus for mercy, for grace. I want to encourage you to let somebody know so that we can be excited for you and encourage you. If you maybe have a friend or family member, maybe you felt the card in the bulletin or text me, email me, tell me on the way out. Let somebody know so that we can help you in your new life in Christ.
For those of us who are, have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? Maybe we put our faith in Christ, but we haven't been giving him control of the boat. We've had hard, maybe our hearts have grown hard or our faith has grown weak. And we need to say, Jesus, I need you. Not just to get to heaven someday, but I need you now. I need you here. I need you for this battle and this struggle and, and to, to be the person you want me to be so I can love the people you want me to love, so I can touch the lives you want me to touch. I need you. Every hour, every minute, every second, I need you. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and just keep reminding us how much we need Jesus. And you would keep us close to you, Father, close to your love, close to your mercy, close to your grace, full of your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.